I've entitled this message, How Serious Do You Take Sin? How Serious Do You Take Sin? We've been looking at Joshua over the past few weeks, and, and Joshua has been given that, that, that comfort by God, I will be with you. And uh, that's been my, my theme throughout this past few weeks, I will be with you. And I've been um, focusing upon Joshua because I'm getting you ready. I'm getting you ready for what's to come. See, Joshua brought the people into the promised land. But I'm getting you ready for the Passover. Because there's another Joshua. Another one whose name means Yahweh saves. Who comes during the Passover, Jesus Christ. And he comes to bring Another people, not to a land flowing with milk and honey, but to a new heaven and a new earth. A new creation comes to bring men and women into the presence of God. So I'm getting you ready for that as we we looking at, at Joshua. And as we do that, the question is, what do you or how serious do you take sin? Do you see sin as serious or not? Or do you grade sin? Some sins are worse than others. What's your thought on sin? For those of us who may um, um, be a little confused about uh, the choice of words, sin, it simply really means going against what God has said. Another word that is used for sin in the Bible is transgression. To transgress. To go against what is laid down. I was round um, John and um, Maria, Maria's house uh, this week and they reminded me of an incident that happened in my family. I remember my, my dad, he, um, he, he locked the doors downstairs and he sent all of us um, five boys and two girls. So all of us upstairs to bed, locked the doors, and he went to bed himself. But my brother decided to sneak out. And so he got a, a black jumper and he rolled it up as his head, placed it on his pillow, and um, he put a few little um, cushions down there under the blankets, and he climbed out the window and he went for a rave or a, a dance somewhere. When my dad comes into the bedroom and sees a black jumper, supposing to be my, my brother's black head, um, and check under the duvet, and there was pillows. I'm telling you, when my brother turned up tomorrow morning, my dad said, I'll give him a beating he will never forget. You know, I didn't get beat myself, but I still can't, I still can't, I still can't remember what he got, you know. And um, he transgressed, he went against what my father laid down. But today... Most people do not really take sin seriously. In fact, in some areas, it is celebrated. I mean, we've all was shocked by that guy going out killing those men and women over in New Zealand. Shocked by it. But he had a camera on him. So he can show the world how great what he was doing was. Seem to me that we live in a society where sin is cool. You know, if you're going to sell drugs, you've got to sell it with your jeans halfway down your backside. 
showing your boxer shorts and running around as if you're cool and selling drugs. Or carrying a knife, for example, is a cool thing to do. Or maybe sleeping around with other people is a cool thing to do. And, 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 and lying and, and fooling and cheating and deceiving does seem to be cool in our day and age. But sin has consequences. And these consequences are awful. And so the story that we have before us this morning highlights the awful consequences of sin and of going against what God said. So I've got three headings. I'm going to take you right through this story very, very quickly. But they're very, very serious. So let's look at these three um, headings. The first heading is this. Hearing from God or hearing God. A few weeks ago, I, I spoke to you about Rahab in Jericho. Those of you who were here will remember uh, Rahab in Jericho. And um, that great city was a city full of sin. And God was going to judge that city. But God gave a very clear command to all the people, his people. This was the command of God. Look what God says. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. So beginning of the verse, keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction. Now, here's the deal. Rahab and her family are safe. They've tied a red cord around their window. They have come under the promise and the, and, 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 and the covenant of, of God that they would not be destroyed because a red cord signifying the blood of Christ was tied in her window. And so she and her family were completely safe. But everything else was under God's judgment. And God's anger and God's wrath would come upon the whole city. The word or the command of God was went out to everybody. It was clear. Everyone heard it. That anything of value had to go into the treasury of God. Why is that? Well, it's called the first fruits. The first victory in the land of Canaan is to be given to God. Like the firstborn child is to be given to God. The first of the fruit of the land is to be given to God. And the first victory was to be given to God. Now, there are two ways of knowing exactly what God wants you to do. Two ways. One of them is hearing and reading the word of God. If you read the word of God, if you hear the word of God preached, you will begin to know exactly what God wants you to do and what God does not want you to do. Number one, 
The second way where you can understand what God wants you to do is in your conscience. God has placed a conscience inside of you. Scientists can't measure it. They can't put it in a test tube and examine it. But they know that you have a conscience. And that conscience is given to you by God. And it makes you feel uneasy when you do something wrong. It troubles you when you do something wrong. All through the day, it's silent. doesn't even open its mouth as you go through the day. But as soon as you do something wrong, your conscience screams and stirs up. And both the Bible and the conscience is given by God in order to help you and to keep you on track. It's God's way, your conscience, of speaking to you. I had a very funny story that happened to me regarding all this. I was um, driving around, and as you drive, you know, you catch advertisements on the side, and I, and I saw this new Zinger burger being sold in KFC. It was stacked full, it was loaded. And I thought to myself, you know what, I'm, I need to get myself one of those. And so I, I pulled over in, um, to Seven Kings and, and I went into a KFC there and, and, and the, the, the people there, they, they made me my perfect Zinger burger. You know, fully loaded, salad, cheese, it works. And um, I, I got the burger, paid my money, went out and this guy spoke to me and said to me, excuse me mate, you know, um, have you got any money? I'm hungry. And I said, no, sorry mate. And I got into my car, shut the door, and I'm just about to get into my burger when my conscience struck me. And I prayed a prayer right then. Lord, not my singer burger. <laughs> and I looked out the window, and there's a guy standing outside. So I got out of my car, and I gave him my burger. And I went back in the car, and, you know, my conscience hit me. And, and it does that from time to time. But what's your conscience like? Is your conscience alive? Is it awake? Is your conscience, does your conscience speak to you from time to time? What is your conscience like? Because some people, their conscience seems to be dead as doornails, have no conscience at all. But God has given you a conscience in order to keep you on track. But not only your conscience but also his word. And as we have told, heard, the word of God went out to everybody. Do not do this. Do not take anything. Watch out for yourself. Don't bring destruction on yourself. Everything in that city belongs to the Lord. That was the word that went out from God. Hearing God. The second thing I want to say this morning is disobeying God. Achan, one of the soldiers, one of the men in the army who heard the call. We read this in verse 1. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Sarah, of the tribe of Judah took some of them 
So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. The Lord's anger. First of all, the Lord was pleased with Israel. Now he gave them a command and Achan decided to, 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 to go in and to disobey. What exactly did he do? Let's hear his own testimony. He speaks what exactly he did. He said it himself. So Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe of Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing, weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. I want you to notice several things. First here, he knew that he had sinned. It is true. I have sinned against the Lord. He knew he had disobeyed. He had gone against the direct word of God. Nobody had to tell him he did wrong. He knew he'd done wrong. Likewise, oftentimes, when you do wrong, you don't need your conscience to tell you you do wrong. You know and I know enough of God's word to know when we do wrong. And so Paul speaks in Galatians. He said this, the acts of the flesh are obvious. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, he says. Look at them. Immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. We don't need our conscience to tell us. God himself is very clear. And we know when we sin. Achan said, I have sinned. He knew. The second thing about Achan is that he, Achan's first problem was with his eyes. Look what he says um, in our reading. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50. When I saw, you know the devil has been working on your eyes right from the beginning. He loves to use your eyes to cause you to fall into sin. What did he say to Eve? Do you remember? When the woman saw, after the devil spoke to her, she turned around. Look what the Bible says. When the woman saw, that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate. She also gave some to her husband. Satan liked trying to get you to look and to see before he causes you to fall into sin. He tried the same thing with Jesus. Do you remember? On the, um, in Matthew chapter 4, again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him. Here, Jesus, look. 
Let me just show you all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. That's it. That's always what Satan is doing. It's always what the devil wants. He wants you to bow down and worship him. Bow down and disobey God. And by disobeying God, you are falling in line with the devil's plan. That's all he wants. Every single time. Achan failed. Eve failed. Adam failed. But look what Jesus said. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I'm not going to serve myself. I'm not going to serve you, devil. I'm not going to serve by disobeying God. No, no, no. Away from me, Satan, says Jesus. Yes, Achan failed. Eve failed. Adam failed, but I want to say to you, says Jesus, I'm going to worship God and serve him only. What about you? Is that your desire? We've been singing that, haven't we? This is my desire, to worship you. We've just been singing that, and Jesus turned around and said the same thing right here. My desire is to serve God. The third thing I want you to notice about Achan is that he coveted. Look what the Bible says again. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. Let me just stop right there. I think Achan must have weighed all these things out himself. I mean, how can you look at gold and know he's 50 shekels? He probably got home and, and was just delighted in weighing up what he had. 50 shekels. I coveted them and took them. Exodus chapter 20, the commands, the tenth commandment says this. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. What was in that city belonged to God. God said everything is devoted to me. Achan went in and he saw what he saw and he coveted it. It belonged to God. And he said, no, I want it for myself. Listen to what Jesus says. He says this. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all of these wicked things, and amongst all these evil and wicked things, is coveting. Achan had his greedy, covetous heart that wanted what belonged to God. And Jesus would turn around and say to his church, he would say this, and he said to them, take care, be on your guard, Against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of one's possessions. Be on your guard, he says. 
Be careful. Watch yourself. Because your eyes will fool you and you will see things and think that you need these things in your life. But a man's life, a woman's life, does not consist in the abundance of their possessions. Achan wanted what didn't belong to him. The greed and the covetousness came into Achan's heart. And he went against God. Now, this is not just a, an Achan problem over there in Israel. This is a problem within the church today. And why do I say that? Because when James, in his book, in the New Testament, was writing, he sat down and he began to write to the church. And as he was writing to his church, this is what he says in James um, chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desire? From, the, from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. But when you ask, you do not receive. Because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. What is he saying? He's saying this. Do not love. What's out there, my dear friends? Do not love it and hold on to it and grab it as if the only thing you can get is what you can get out there and you have no concern for the kingdom of God, no concern for heaven, no concern for God's glory, no concern for being in his presence. Oh no, that's a byproduct. What you really want is what you can get down here. And James says, you adulterous people, don't you know that if you're friends with the world, then you cannot be friends with God. You know, the Bible says that Abraham was a friend of God. You know, Abraham left everything. He was a wealthy man, but he left his whole house and family and God said, come out from earth and follow me. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And yet God called him. My friend. Yes. We need to be careful what we are seeing with our eyes. Because Achan. He saw. He coveted. He wanted. And he brought trouble upon himself. Let's just wrap this sermon up and bring it home finally with um, the final verse, fearing God. Now we can see that the dreadful consequences of sin, don't let anyone fool you, sin always, always have consequences. Now somebody can turn around and argue, hold on pastor, you know, aren't you being a bit melodramatic, aren't you being a bit over the top? Achan didn't do that much, did he? 
I mean, what did he do, really? Come on, pastor. I mean, you know, he only saw a coke and he only took a few bars of gold. You know, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't that big a deal, was it? Surely you're being a little bit over the top. But according to the word of God, what he did had some serious consequences. It was extremely bad. Let me show you. The first thing that was really caused by his little stealing and little lying was that God's blessing was withheld. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my command, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have made themselves liable to destruction. Listen, when you allow sin to take a hold of your life, when you allow your sin not to be confessed to God, not to come clean and say, God, this is what I've done, please forgive me. When you allow sin to be hidden in your life, you take away the blessing that God will have upon you. God turns his face away from you. God's hand is against you. Achan's sin took away the blessing of God. In fact, let's go one step further. Achan's sin actually made God the enemy. God became against his own people. You know, I would much rather have the devil as my enemy than have God as my enemy. I'd rather be fighting the devil day by day than instead fighting God day by day. And that's exactly what Achan had did. He, in his sin, took away the blessing and the protection of God and brought God against him. But someone still may turn around and say, well, come on, surely. It's only a sin. They only stole a few things. Don't, don't, be, don't get too overexcited by that. Well, yeah, what you need to remember, that because of Achan, 36 men died because of him. Look what the Bible says. So about 3,000 went up but they were routed by the men of Ai who killed about 36 of them. That should not have happened. Those 36 men should not have died. Those 36 men should have gone into that battle and come out alive with their families and their children still waiting for them. But because of one man's disobedience, because of one man's sin, 36 men lost their lives. And not only that, but because of one man's disobedience, one man's sin, his whole family, his children, and everyone else connected with him all suffered the same fate as Achan. One man's sin. And that is why the Bible speaks so serious about sin. Sin my dear friends, whatever you think about it, I'll tell you what God thinks about it. Sin is a disease. 
Sin is contagious. Sin is so vile and so wicked. But if you are a fairly nice person and you hang around with someone who's a sinful person, that sinful person will be affected by your, will affect you by their wickedness. And your goodness will not help them one bit. That is how wicked and how evil and how horrible sin is. And that is why God says, I've created a hell where sinners will go. You know, Jesus speaks about hell more than anyone else in the Bible. Do you know that? Jesus turned around and says this, throw them into the blazing furnace. This is Jesus speaking in Matthew. Throw them into the blazing furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Again, he says this, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. You know, hell was never meant to be for men and women. Men and women are meant to be raised and resurrected and live and stand with God. That's what men and women are meant to have. But here, hell was originally prepared for the devil but anyone who goes and joins the devil and looks and seeks and wants to be a part of his kingdom they will end up in the same place that he ends up in not only Jesus speaks about hell John in Revelation speaks about it as well he says but the cowardly the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers the sexually immoral immoral those who practice magic arts, the, idol- the idolaters, listen to this, and all liars. They will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. What happened to Achan? does not have to happen to you. Do you know why? Because there's a cross. Because Jesus went to that cross and took upon himself all the anger, all the wrath of God upon himself. Jesus where hell is a place where God does not exist, God does not have anything to do, God is away from that place. There's nothing wonderful, nothing good in hell because God's not there. Jesus on the cross experienced God leaving him and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On that cross, as it were, Jesus experienced every anger, every horror that hell has to give men and women who fall into it apart from Christ. And that is why Achan and this story points to Jesus Christ. Because you do not have to suffer what Achan suffered. Even though you might be a coveting person, a liar, a deceiver, someone who's still in sin, there's forgiveness preached at the cross of Jesus. Therefore, you do not have to suffer what Achan suffered. Praise be to God because of the Passover. Because Jesus Christ 
has died, has taken your place, has taken my place. But if I turn and say to him, forgive me, Lord, I freely confess to you that I have an Achan's heart. I freely confess to you that what Achan did back then, I would have done exactly the same thing. I confess it to you, oh God. Will you please cleanse me? Will you please forgive me? Will you please pardon me? Please come into my life and be my Lord, my captain, my governor, my saviour. God will turn on that and say, praise be to my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, because of what he has done, I will receive you. Achan's fate will not be your fate. And that's why I'm preparing you. In Joshua, the man who brings them into the promised land. Because in the New Testament, there's Jesus. Yahweh saves. And he brings you into a place. that's flowing with milk and honey. Flowing with the goodness of God. And so I ask you the question. As I asked you in the beginning. How serious do you take sin? I pray you will take it seriously and bring that to God. And God, in his mercy, will receive you. Let's pray. Oh, God Almighty, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the cross. Thank you so much that there's forgiveness for men and women like Achan. Praise you, O God. And I pray that today, Lord, we might leave this church with a new attitude towards sin. Leave this church today realizing that all sin is abhorrent to you. That our prayers will be, Lord, give me a hatred for sin. Whatever sin it may be, give me, O God, a hatred for sin. And give me a love for the things that you love. Oh, may that be the prayer of this church, we pray. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.